0: Everybody, uh, this is Mike Marbeck, and I am here doing one of the first few uh, podcast recordings for the Getting Close podcast uh, in years. The last one was 2015, and that was with Andrew Stober. So, if you dig deep into the archives, uh, you'll be able to listen to a bunch of those. Uh, some of those people I'll probably be talking to again because a lot has changed here in uh, Philly theater and Philly comedy. Uh, the first few I'm going to be doing is going to be with, uh, Fringe, Philly Fringe Festival Artists. Uh, and up first, we have Seamus Hunter McCarty. Hello, Seamus. Hello. How are you? Great. Uh, well, the first thing I would say, or ask, is, just Seamus. Or is it, do you go by Seamus Hunter?
1: Oh, great, yes. Yeah, so Did anybody call you that? No, so in college I went by Hunter because I was tired of my first name. It just felt like dated and I didn't like it. Hunter's the first name? No, Seamus is my first oh, okay. name. Okay. So the full name is Seamus Hunter McCarty. Got but it. as a youth, uh, You know, I'm a gay person, and gay and Shay have a very similar sound. And so, like, when I got to college, I was like, I'm getting away from that. I'm cool now. I'm edgy. And so for college, I went by Hunter. So anyone that I met between 18 and, like, 24 calls me Hunter. And those people still pop up every once in a while. Uh, But as an actor and an artist in Philadelphia, I use my full name, Seamus Hunter McCarty, just so it's just pretentious enough, you know? (laughs) Yeah, sure. Uh, For me, it was um,
0: Michael. And I just, uh, for anybody that is a friend of mine on, on Facebook, I just made this post uh, about uh what to call me uh, because I get people calling me Mike, I get people calling me marby uh and that 's a nickname that kind of came about on its own, both in college, uh not both but in college, in Chicago and in philly huh uh just i, I didn't I never said I never introduced myself as Marby. I never ask anybody to call me that, but it happens but what i don 't like <laughs> is when people call me about my last name, okay, it makes me feel like gym class or something, sure uh so I just, now whenever I'm talking to people, I just want to make sure I'm calling them what they prefer to be called. Yeah, well, I guess. I'm
1: pretty open to it man. anything. But yeah, so most people call me Seamus for Shamus. What it's worth. But I'll call you Marby from now on, knowing <laughs> that that's in play. That is great. <laughs> All right, uh, so
0: I want to chat about uh, the arts uh, because you do have Closure, Your Legs, Honey, sure. uh, which is going to be coming up here at the Philly Improv Theater uh, in the coming week. Um, how did you find yourself involved in the arts sure first
1: yeah uh, so my family isn't like super artistic that wasn't like we didn't grow up like playing the piano together or anything uh, so I found it more like socially and in an educational setting so I did sure. school plays for a while uh-huh. uh, when I got to high school I did not get cast in the school play and I was very upset so I started stage managing what was the school play uh, An Inspector Calls by J.B. Priestley okay it's about a rich family that all like systematically abuse the same person without realizing it's mm-hmm. actually very timely now uh, but it's not to be confused play. with Jason Priestley no, Beverly Hills Nine or <laughs> Two and no. right. Classic, seriously. <laughs> yeah. yeah, unfortunately, Shannon Doherty wasn't in our show either. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so I started doing stuff in school. Uh, when I got to college, I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. I was actually pre-law, mm-hmm. uh, and then I saw a production of Millennium Approaches, which is the second half or the first half. Oh, no, it wasn't Millennium Approach. I saw Perestroika, which is the second half of Angels in America, which is a Tony Kushner, like, seven-hour epic play yeah. about AIDS in the 90s. Um, and it has a second half? Oh, yeah. Sure does. Christ. Um, It's great. The Wilma did it a couple of years ago at, like, at the same time. You could see the whole yeah. thing. Yeah,
0: Um
1: And I don't—I uh, I had never seen theater that wasn't so commercial before. Mm. You know, I'd seen, like, musicals and, like, saw Wicked on Broadway. And I was like, oh, that's neat. Uh, and then seeing something that was really about a subject that was important to me as a young gay person, you know, the AIDS epidemic. Sure. Uh, and the power of theater really kind of transformed my perspective on what it could be. And so from there, I dropped my pre-law and told my parents, I'm getting a the theater degree. Oh, wow. And here we are. Yeah. How did that go over? Oh, with them, it was mostly fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, they were a little bit concerned that I went to a, an expensive private college and I was suddenly switching to an arts major. And, mm. you yeah, know, rightfully so. I have debt. I'll always have debt. Mm. Um, but that's okay. I'd probably have debt as a lawyer, too. And I think I'd be less happy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I know for me, when
0: I was in college, that was like when I kind of found, uh, you know, as they say, my tribe. Yeah. Uh, with the same, same for you.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I definitely there's artists that I collaborated with in college that I still am connected to mm-hmm. in various ways. Uh, they've all, most of them have left Philadelphia, gone on their separate paths sure. to do different things. Uh, but we still work together. I have a friend that I did college theater with, coming to the opening of closure like "Honey," so you know we're still attached. But sure.
0: Yeah. Uh, what were uh, some? Uh, would you say? Uh, some of the more fun but not necessarily show related things uh that happened as a
1: result of being a theater major or arts major in college oh goodness (laughs) (laughs) there were a lot of fun parts of being a theater major i think that uh theater kids are a very special group of people we're very open there's Mm -hmm. a lot of like love and appreciation and so like the sheer amount of like hugs i got in college (laughs) was something that i you know i don't know i'm not a super touchy person you know as an adult i'm not i don't outwardly hug people when i run into them mm-hmm. um but just like the sheer amount of love piled onto to each other in college was a very special and i think unique thing mm-hmm. for people that are for, that are taking all the same classes and doing all the same extracurricular work um because you really become a, a company right for four years mm-hmm. and then by proxy a tribe <laughs> yeah
0: uh, and what shows were you
1: involved in Oh, I did every show. Literally, pretty much every show in my undergraduate career, which was, was well. like a big to do. People were like, "Seamus, you can't do all these plays." Well, they said, "Hunt, watch but, me." Yeah, right. But I, I said, "No, I'll do them." Uh, my first show in college was a musical called "Urin Town." It was the I first musical it. I've ever done, uh, and it's just to be clear, it's urine, like pee, not mm-hmm. like you are in. Yeah, you are um, in that's town. A little pen, your pun. Yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, so that was a lot of fun. You know, we sang about peeing. It's a privilege to pee is one of the big songs mm-hmm. from that, and that was a very cool thing for me as someone sure. who had never done a musical and then I did a lot of really like gritty edgy stuff you know we did this Australian play called Falling Petals about a bunch of children in a small town uh, contracting a disease that no one can figure out and basically all the adults just like lock them away and let them die and it's Yikes. like really messed up uh, and, and then, that was a musical? no that was just a play oh, okay. that was a student directed play yeah. uh, but actually the person coming to Honey is the one that directed <laughs> it Um and then my thesis was a play by Sarah Kane, who was a British playwright who mm-hmm. wrote six plays and then committed suicide. Uh, her plays are very dark. Uh, some of them are actually happening in the fridge, too, this year. Was it planned that way? Uh, I don't know. None of, like, the, she, she dealt with a lot of demons. She had a lot of depression issues, mm-hmm. um, and that was a big part of her work and her discussions of her work. But I didn't discover her, her until after she had already passed. Yeah. Um, and so I'm not sure. It's not, none of her biographies speak to that being a planned mm-hmm. set of, of actions, but could be. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Cool. Uh and in terms of uh musicals, um uh, you mentioned Wicked. Yeah. Uh, I just saw that uh myself. What did uh, you think? Last month. I loved it. It's great. I love
1: Wicked's it. great. What's yeah. not
0: to love about Wicked? Yeah, I thought it was uh uh, I saw it on Broadway. Sure. Uh I thought it was really well done. Someone I went to college with was actually one of the not in this particular production. Sure. Uh Dee Rossioli is her name, so shout out to D. Uh she was um uh Alphaba in one of the Broadway productions and cool. also part of the touring company. Yeah. Uh, and it's taken me a very long time to actually get to see it. I wish I would have been able to see her. Um but it was it was so well done. Yeah. Um Prior to this year, I hadn't seen... The last musical, if you could call it that, that I've seen on Broadway was Riverdance oh. with Michael Flatley. Oh, wow. And like 97, yeah, 97. 98. Uh, and this year so far, I've seen Waitress, uh, Book of Mormon. Uh, I saw The Play That Goes Wrong. Love it. Uh, the, uh, I saw Wicked, um, Carousel, School of Rock, um, and I want to see Dear Evan Hansen
1: sure people love Dear Evan Hansen I haven't yeah. but I taught at yeah. a summer camp this summer and all the yeah. kids loved Dear Evan Hansen yeah. they're all about it I was really lucky I saw Wicked when I was 16 like with a school trip so it was original Broadway cast you got to see Kristen and, sure. Adina, and it was yeah. like oh my gosh uh, and then I saw it in London a couple years ago oh, so it was wow. 10 years later and it was mostly the same to my memory you know mm-hmm. I'm sure I didn't remember every detail but there were a lot of cool tech advances stuff that used to be like shadow work with now very <laughs> cool animation yeah. and so like that kind of stuff was super cool to see just as the yeah. you know as technology changes seeing how the industry actively changes mm-hmm. with it, it was super cool yeah they had holograms and, yeah, right? yeah, <laughs> and lots CGI of magic. yeah
0: <laughs> um yeah, okay. So uh, just speaking about musicals, what are what are some of your other other favorites that you feel maybe help inspire
1: you as a uh, as an artist? Sure. Uh, so Hairspray is a musical that means okay. a lot to me. Uh, mostly, I think, for a couple of reasons. So I grew up on the John Waters, like, 80s movie with Ricky Lake and sure. Divine, and that, yeah. that level of camp definitely mm-hmm. is something that stuck with me artistically, and right. I think that you'll see that if you, if you come see Close Your Legs, honey. Uh, and so when the musical Hairspray came out, I was like, oh, cool, you know, what is this? And so that was the first time that a work I already loved had been, tr- like, turned into a musical. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the idea of adaptation became much more, like, tangible to me that there were things that stories that had already been told in one way that could fit into the form Mm -hmm. Um, so I've been continually interested in that other musicals that have inspired me—I uh, think the last five years to be a very inspiring musical. Mm-hmm. It's a two-hander telling the story of a divorce forwards mm-hmm. and backwards from the uh, the couple's perspective. Uh, and I think just like that level of storytelling was something I'd never seen in musical theater before. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, that's one I am familiar with. I yeah. haven't seen it, uh, but I know some. I know um, Chicks Goddess. Yeah.
0: Which is great, great. From, from there. Which yeah, I did yeah, at yeah. a recital at one point. Oh, great! Um, There's a movie now. Yes, yeah. uh, with uh, is it uh, Anna Kendrick Anna, yeah, and Jeremy she's, Jordan? She's getting in
1: a bunch of those sorts of sorts of roles yeah, right now. She's and she great. can sing. Did you ever see Camp? The movie Camp. No. So that's where she. Well, it's kind of where she started. Anna Kendrick. I know a lot about Anna Kendrick. <laughs> okay, uh, she is a the Anna Kendrick podcast. Yeah, why not? Hi, Anna. Uh, she was in High Society on Broadway, which is an adaptation of the Philadelphia Story, which is a movie, mm-hmm. and uh, with and, uh, Jimmy Stewart, Katharine yeah. Hepburn, yeah. Cary Grant. That's right. So you she know, played- Jimmy
0: Stewart won a. Um, Uh, an Oscar for that... Uh, for best actor, and he wasn't really the best, he wasn't really the main actor in that uh, movie. There's
1: also no plot,
0: right? Like, how did he? Right. What a well, dumb there, thing a to win an award think, think that it was a um, a makeup for 1939's Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Oh,
1: sure, yeah, that happened. Yeah, uh, but so okay, yeah, Anna Kendrick podcast. Good. <laughs> uh, she played the little girl in that. I don't remember the name of the character. I think it's Dinah, uh, and I think she was nominated for a Tony. And then the next thing she did was this like cult classic film called Camp, which is about Stage Door Manor, a theater camp in mm-hmm. I don't know Michigan or something. uh And it's just about, you know, young people discovering themselves through this musical theater camp. And Mm -hmm. she plays this crazy assistant girl that poisons the lead and takes her part. Mm -hmm. Like, literally pushes her off stage while she's vomiting and takes over. Uh, So I'm a big Anna Kendrick fan. But she's been doing musical theater the whole Mm -hmm. time. And as her, you know, I think Up in the Air was kind of her film that people were like, oh, she's legitimate. Uh, uh, Because I think she was nominated for an Oscar for that one. Mm -hmm. And then from there, they're like, oh, right, she sings. Uh, But something that's really cool about her is that she's very honest about her vocal ability in a way that the expectation so often or, like, the critique we make is, like, oh, why didn't Alphabet hit the note perfectly yeah. every time, right, while well, she's singing these impossible things? Right. Uh, and Anna Kendrick has actively stated all of the musical roles that she's played in film are roles that she could not sing seven days a week. <laughs> uh, and, like, yeah. the amount of uh, praise and respect she has for people to do that full yeah. time. That
0: is kind of insane, where you look at a show like Wicked, where they are doing, uh, about eight performances, if not more, mm-hmm. per week, uh, because there there's several of those days now that I know have matin, matinees yeah. um that you know didn't used to have matinees like uh there's there well there's Wednesday but I know that I thought there was a Monday anyway there's a whole lot of I I just don't understand I can't wrap my head around anybody that vocally can mm-hmm. can keep that up um, and I guess it is tough because when we went up to see uh wicked the first time when we went up to see the wicked uh the first time uh, the person Jessica Vosk mm-hmm. uh, is her name. She's playing uh, the role right now. Uh, she had a vocal issue. sure. Uh, and the two people that I was going with, uh, Carolyn Bedia and Molly Scullion, um, it, they wanted to see this person in particular. Uh, so that's how we ended up seeing uh, Carousel instead, because they exchanged the the Wicked tickets oh, hilarious. Um, for another time so that Jessica
1: Vosk uh, would be performing. So I guess it is... Uh, Definitely tough. Oh, sure. Yeah, I mean, Alpha is one of the hardest roles in musical theater. Yeah. It's uh, actually the lead and my co creator of Culture Legs Honey, Hannah Park, uh, when she graduated from college, auditioned for Wicked because they very, like, they there's a very specific vocal, uh, you know, like range that you need to have to play the mm-hmm. part. And they start tapping people as of 22 to start auditioning mm-hmm. to see when they can start working them in, when oh, their voices wow. have matured to that Jesus. point. So Hannah was doing Wicked callbacks for her first, like, three years out of college. Wow. Because she has, you know, the potential to hit it these is a, uh, high like a, rock things.
0: Like, like a farm. System for, yeah, for Wicked of. performers. Yeah, they it, it really start getting up. them ready. Uh, and someone was telling me, maybe you know, uh, this is something that I could probably research. Uh, but that it it was off Broadway for a short time and then came back. Wicked?
1: Yeah, I didn't
0: know that. Yeah, okay, interesting. It yeah. could be. And I don't understand why because it just crushes, right? Like you got, it's got to
1: be one of the top, if not the top. Yeah, I mean, it's been playing for ten years right now. Yeah. yeah, Jesus, or more, if not more. I know that's so. It's very possible. The other weird thing I think about Broadway and off-Broadway is the designations are so silly. Like, if you really uh-huh. look at it, if you you know, people that are unfamiliar, and I don't know all of them, but it's, like, the number of seats in the house. So, you could, if you're literally two seats short, you're not a Broadway house, even if you're on the strip. Yeah. Um, you know, and stuff like that, and like, yeah. the amount of performances per week or like, the big standards for it. So, it's yeah. kind of an interesting, weird thing. So, it's entirely possible that what happened was it was considered off-Broadway because they had to remove five seats. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know crazy. if that's true, but it's very possible.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh. What are some things uh, theater-wise uh, that uh, you would like to see? Like, what, what what is your interest? Not necessarily as an inspiration, but what is what is something out there playing right now? Whether it's in Philly or uh, otherwise.
1: Uh, that you just haven't caught, and uh, what what grabs you about it? Yeah, yeah, I think the biggest one is probably Sleep No More, uh, okay. which is a show by Elevator Repair Service that runs in New York. It's a telling of uh, the Scottish play, which I won't say, because we're in a theater, <laughs> right. um, which is bad luck if you don't know. Um, it might even be... Um more bad luck because this is a building that houses several theaters that's true you got to run around the building seven times instead of you know the three yeah um so it's a it's that story but it's immersive and you like have to walk around and like go through the entire warehouse experience of like to and uh so it's very hard to actually catch the full plot Mm -hmm. without like really planning and researching ahead of time like who you're supposed to follow because Mm -hmm. witches and apparitions are actively like pulling you away Uh, from the story to show you little things yeah um and so i'm really into that kind of immersive theater and that that i don't know at this point i would say it's like not a trend but that that possibility and that that thing that people are working in yeah uh so this year in the french festival the bearded ladies cabaret is doing something similar okay uh, with uh, the history of cabaret in a three-story warehouse uh wow. where you like, get to you know float around and catch certain things and then so i'm really interested in immersive experiences and shows that you get to opt in and out of i think that's really cool okay um and then in general, I think I'm just more interested... Like, I would love to see more queer storytelling. You know, that's something that I definitely hunger for as a queer artist. Mm-hmm. And I'm always very appreciative. When it happens, I try to catch as much of that as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also an artist, so I'm poor. So I don't look at Broadway very often. But I do want to see Mean Girls. I grew up on Mean Girls. Mean Girls absolutely inspired the work that yeah. I'm doing right now. And I would love to see it. So I answer that lottery once a week for that $20 ticket. I'm like, whatever, I'll cancel my Wednesday. What is the... Because uh, I do the Hamilton lottery. Oh, sure. Uh, there's a lottery for... Uh, mean Girls also. Yeah, I think it's on Wednesday. It might be Wednesdays only. It might be every day. I only okay. do the Wednesday ones because there's something special about wearing pink that day because it's a joke <laughs> from the movie um, and, and the show. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, and it's. I think it's the same thing where you like you put in your name the day before, like the morning, of, yeah. and then they tell you by noon if you if you're getting a twenty dollars ticket. Okay. What's the Hamilton one like? I imagine just crazy. Oh, well,
0: Hamilton has an app. Oh. Uh, you, they have a app that you can put on your phone, uh, iPhone, possibly Droid. I don't know. Sure. And. Uh, it has a whole bunch of things. Like, it has the, the lottery aspect of it for any of their um, performances at any city that they're currently performing in. Cool. uh And uh, it stores your information, so you don't have to go online and enter everything each time. Uh, it just says, hey, you want to enter the lottery? It will send reminders. Oh, right. Um The lottery is now open. It sends you a, a, a message that, like I get every morning, that says, Uh, oh, better luck next time. Yeah. Um, every morning. <laughs> One of these days, uh, and uh, but it does have other things like karaoke and oh, cool. uh, some some music stuff. Um, well, that's great, that and it's ten dollars for those tickets. Okay, uh, and you can enter for yourself, or you can enter for a plus one as well. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to be looking into the Mean Girls one too. Because, yeah, you should. Like you're saying, it is insane how much these things cost. That's crazy. Uh, like Hamilton is coming to Philly. Uh, and I was like, oh, it's coming to Philly. It can't possibly be that expensive. And it is higher. It, it was, I think it was like 600 bucks mm-hmm.
1: for per for a ticket. Yeah. And uh, I'm not going to do that. No. The tri- the, I don't know if you heard about this. When Hamilton, like when they announced that Hamilton was coming, uh, the only way to get tickets was to order a season subscription. Oh, to their Jesus. entire musical season wow. which actually still made it cheaper I think than an individual ticket to Hamilton so it was like that was I guess the thing to do but yeah. I was the same place so I was like oh cool I don't have 500 bucks today No, <laughs> thank wow. you so much that
0: is insane how much uh, these things cost um, the cheapest one I've seen was School of Rock and that was we went up day of and yeah, it was yeah. like 27 bucks yeah. uh, which I believe Molly said was closing soon um, if it's not already Yeah. so it was alright wasn't I mean it was neat to see the kids. because yeah, uh, 'cause sure, yeah. I'm a massive fan of the the movie. I qu- yeah, you know, yeah it's one of those things that I'll quote uh a lot um and just put on when there's nothing else on. Um and as far as the music of it goes, it was okay. And You're I was super in surprised. Hey yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was Andrew Lloyd Webber, Yeah. Uh, which stunned me. Sure. Um, well
1: you know you can't only write phantom. People yeah. are tired of that. That was a <laughs> yeah. long
0: time ago now. You gotta do something <laughs> yeah. newer and cooler. Uh and, and some of it was pretty good. But otherwise
1: I'm glad we still have the movie. Sure. And it didn't kind of save over it in some way. It's funny. There's this big push right now in Broadway that I'm seeing with using youth performers. You know, Billy Elliot was a big smash mm-hmm. and the three boys that split the original run of it, wanted, mm-hmm. like shared a Tony award for it. Matilda was a big one that did the same thing. Yeah. Um, and I'm so curious about that because, I don't know, you know, I just turned 30. There's a lot of conversations in my generation right now about like what we were taught about achievement and the importance of achievement by like 30 or 25 mm-hmm. Uh and I'm just curious what that means for these kids, right? Yeah. It's like, okay, cool. I'm 14. I'm on Broadway. Yeah. So it's like now I either become a world-famous movie star or mm-hmm. I do something totally different, you know? Yeah. Right? Like, I'm, yeah. just, I'm curious about that and yeah, like what the that parts, effect is. Uh,
0: yeah, the, the, it, you're right. There's 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 much there's many more parts for them uh, and their starring roles, whereas before it, it seemed as if it was like you had your Annie. Right. And, then and, you know, some, some orphans or you had, uh, you know, what's his name? Gabrosh.
1: Oh yeah, Gabriel. Is, yeah, um, yeah. And company, there wasn't. Of yeah, and
0: Oliver. Yeah, um, yeah. But there wasn't much. Yeah, there is a lot. I get How old are, uh, Mean Girls takes place in high school? I guess. Yeah, right? but all the
1: actors in that are all, like adult.
0: Actors. Okay. Yeah. So just like TV. Yeah. Um. Like like uh, Beverly Hills 90210. Yeah. Uh, where I believe um Andrea, Andrea. was like forty years old. Something yeah, something like, like
1: that. <laughs>
0: that. <laughs> uh, Gabrielle at uh, Cartier or so something like that.
1: Mm. I did not come in here thinking I would um, talk about Beverly Hills 90210. Twice. I mean, it's classic television. Yeah. What's not to talk about? Have you yeah. seen the made-for-TV movie about it? No. Oh, yeah. It was Are you Lifetime? talking like E-True Hollywood Story? No, it was like a Lifetime movie, I think. Okay. That was like a made-for-TV movie about the creating of it. I don't think it's so. No. tragic, but great. Yeah. I, you know, I enjoyed it. It's like, oh, is that what we're going to pretend how this went? But yeah. apparently Shannon Doherty used to pinch Jenny Garth on set while they were filming. Pincher, pincher. Like standing next to her in a scene, you know, that's cropped. You know, it's yeah. the camera, right? So it starts at like you know, chest and above, and she would just pinch her, like underneath the shot, to try to mess with where, her. What, like on her body. Like in the in the movie, it was like around her mini skirt areas where it kept happening. Like not, not as a joke, like it's going to make so. her laugh. This is, she was trying to hurt her by was, pinching her. I don't her? know. I'm not sure what Shannon <laughs> Doherty's intentions were. <laughs> that's Apparently, so weird. you know, she got she left the show pretty quickly. So they yeah you know, clearly there were some challenges. But I was wow. like, that's crazy, Shannon Doherty pinching people. Prue Halliwell. Yeah, Who thought it? Uh, well, maybe Jenny headed in the contract
0: to, be, to you know, be pinched should not be pinched. Oh, and and that's why Shannon. Yeah, had to Shannon go. had to go. Got the boot. Um, what else? Uh, what else did you enjoy watching? Uh, that what you know as far as television goes. Uh, television and movies. Oh. Man.
1: Lots of things. I watch, yeah. I watch too much television at this yeah. point. Streaming is like probably going to yeah. ruin my brain yeah, me realistically because it's so easy to be like, "Oh, well there's something." Mm-hmm. Uh so right now I've been binge watching cooking shows because they're effortless. So you know, give me that sugar rush or uh <laughs> have you seen Nailed It yet? No. Nah. It's they take The idea of like Pinterest fails essentially, and just to make it a reality show. So they give them an hour and a half to make like four story wedding cakes or four tier wedding cakes. And Um, they're terrible. Yeah, and they're all not real bakers. Like they all come in being like, My family laughs at me because I burn cookies. And they're like, So I'm gonna today make a flambe. Oh man. And they never succeed. So
0: uh, that's messed up. Yeah. That people would volunteer. To look terrible. Well, they get 10 grand if they win. Okay. For being yeah. the least right. terrible. Well, what are I could right. up? Right, exactly. Like, I could like a grand. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, uh,
1: but I was, I don't know. I mean, so I'm you know, a 90s kid, and so I think that a lot of the things that I grew up on and was, like, really into, like, I have a, a firm humor place in, like, youth drama, right? Like, meaning the sense of, like, young people between, you know, 10 and 18, and, and like, the, the antics that ensue from sure. their... I don't know hormones and anger mm-hmm. um, so I would definitely say that's an, uh, something that I've enjoyed seeing played out in many stories the problem mm-hmm. for me right now is when I look I've recently looked back at a lot of 90s movies for inspirations for this, for Close Your Legs Honey uh, and a lot of them are a big problem now like, between words and actions. And, you know, so, like, things I would have said two weeks ago, like, bring it on, classic Kirsten Dunst movie, right? Mm-hmm. Drop Dead Gorgeous, another Kirsten Dunst 90s mm-hmm. classic. They're just full of words and language and, like, instances that are completely unacceptable now. Yeah. Uh, so I've been doing a little bit of distancing from, you know, from, like, things that, for me, were like, oh, yeah, it's such a great, important movie. I was like, oh, no, yeah, you can't. This so is not something you can put on your like list anymore. Yeah, right. Uh, okay. So that's been a weird, interesting part of, I think, exploring the dramaturgy for this piece, or, like, the inspiration for it. Yeah. Uh, I,
0: last year I rewatched Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Sure. uh, Start to finish, and then Angel right after it. Um, And even that has uh, some things throughout where you're like, that is, you wouldn't say that now. Mm -hmm. Uh, And sometimes they would say things, like, throughout the whole series, uh, or drop certain insults or just kind of words where you're just like, that's not cool. Yeah. uh, but uh speaking of Buffy the Vampire Slayer we're going to be doing the musical episode here at the theater uh around Halloween uh so check that out once more with feeling with the PH because hopefully that means we fly under the radar a little bit with that there because you go. they don't necessarily uh take too kindly to some people doing that stuff. <laughs> not a
1: script not available on MT mm-hmm. right now. <laughs> um
0: I, we we've we've got everything covered. Yeah. It's going to be a great time and yeah, uh we're it's we're great up the, the cast a lot. Um and rehearsals are uh now happening. So the show is gonna happen, uh and it's gonna be a great time. Uh so look for look for information
1: on that. How are you making the vampire's dust? It's not vampires that episode, right? It's the it's the silence monsters or whatever. No, that's a different the, episode. Yeah, the the musical episode right. is um
0: once more with feeling. Um the you're you're thinking of Hush, yes. which is the silence one. Yes, yes. Um the the technical aspects of all of this, uh, I don't necessarily have to worry about because I'm not directing it. Lucky you! Um, so I'll just be dropping in, and I will probably ask a question like, "Hey, how are you going to do the vampire dust?" <laughs> um, things like things like that. Um, but that is going to be directed by uh, Carolyn Beatty, oh, cool. uh, who uh, performs and works at the theater and uh, has done a lot of musical and impro- or musical theater herself uh, recently. Uh, Legally Blonde,
1: the musical, Oh, sure. Uh, around town. She could be a Buffy. Is like she my could first be a Buffy, yeah. she'd, like, she'd be a perfect Buffy. Yeah, absolutely. But good for you. Get behind, mm-hmm. the, behind the scenes, Carolyn. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Uh, cool. So uh, let's get into a little bit, because I don't want to keep you too long, sure. uh, a little bit of uh, Close Your Legs, honey. It's come up a couple times already as far okay. as
1: inspirations. Um, but tell me how that process got started. Sure. Uh, so my co-creator, Hannah Park, and I were doing a touring classic production of Tartuffe. With a theater company called Commonwealth Classic Theater, uh, and so we were driving together every day and just talking about the stuff that we were currently working on, the stuff that we had coming up, and auditions we had coming up, and the stuff we were interested in. Uh, as a result, we found that we both had a mutual experience with eating disorders and diso- uh, and restricted eating. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we started creating this one person show centered around Hannah at a barbecue, talking to food, like having a hamburger show up and start talking to us. So we had puppets, uh, and so we developed that this like mini, I don't know, fifteen minute version of that that we showed, uh, to, you know, to a small group at a showing festival type thing. And, uh, we were like, all right, that's one draft of it. And then we decided that we wanted the other characters to start showing up. So we figured out, like, who else is there? Who are these other voices? So we started building out this character, uh, and at the time it was just Hannah. We were just calling it Hannah, and it was, like, her being herself as a younger person. Yeah. Uh, so we slowly got away from Hannah as we started playing with the other people, because they were going to a more heightened place, uh, So we added a mom, right? A mom's clearly a part of that, right? Mm -hmm. And and in our play, our musical, mom, I think, represents more society. But we started out just a mom uh, telling her daughter how to eat and what to eat. And so from there, we just started writing the scenes, and characters kept developing. And we realized that imagination was a really big part of it and uh, that's when we started bringing in these fantastical other characters, whether they were, like, uh, book heroines, right? Hermione Granger was in our play for a little bit. You know, uh, we had a lot of drafts of this play. We had Billie Jean King, classic tennis pro. Sure. You know, she was very in vogue for a moment because yeah. I had a Stone movie, and so we were yeah. like, oh, maybe her. And then we're like, no, not her. She has no business <laughs> in our play. Yeah. I uh, just love that you you say Hermione Granger with no explanation
0: <laughs> uh, and then go into detail about Billie Jean King. I know who both of these people are, Seamus.
1: Yeah. I but, know who they are. i the listeners <laughs> (laughs) Everyone knows Hermione Granter at this point. There's a doll. I was at a store today, and there's a Hermione Granter doll. Yeah, so look out for that, friends. Okay. Uh, But yeah, so we realized that it was getting to more and more of a fantastical place, and we realized that musical theater was a better setting for it, right? That we could stomach these, I don't know, cruel cruel moments or these moments of self-doubt for this young person in a different way if we put them through this lens of an explosive rock song. Okay. Um... So we did a series of readings and showings. The show has been very different in many different ways. We kind of streamlined some things, added songs about, I don't know, eight months ago. Before that, it was like a play with like chants or like routines and mm-hmm. we were like kind of doing stuff. Uh, and then when we did a staged reading of it, one of our collaborators, Matt Mastronardi, who attended it, was like, oh, it feels like a musical. And we we're like, oh, it is a musical. And he said, well, where's the music? And we said, well, we haven't quite gotten there yet. And he said, oh, I'm going to do that with you. Uh, so from there, the three of us sat in his living room, plunking out songs and like screaming out ideas for a couple months. And then he went off to China to teach musical theater in China. Wow. Yep. So he's been away. So he's you know he's going to come back to a whole different thing. Yeah. Uh, and then we got people together and said we're going to do it. Let's put up this show. And then Fit said, "Great, we'll put up your show." And we said, "Even better." Yeah. And here we are. Great. Uh, and you are directing. Yeah. Uh, are you sole director? yes okay I mean, yeah like technically so sure. I would say that like because we have certain artists that have been a part of the show for about two years at this point right. and so there's a lot of input it's not a top down directing model realistically um, but I would but in title I am the sole director mm-hmm. okay uh, and how would you describe your directing style I try to hire the smartest people <laughs> and just let them do their jobs Yeah, there are so many things I know nothing about or mm-hmm. I know less about than my peers and yeah. so we have been very lucky to assemble the performers and designers on this show that we have mm-hmm. um, for the amount of money we have to put up this show Sure. and so most days I just say alright hello Barrymore nominated designer mm-hmm. friends Damian yeah. and Robin how should this work yeah. uh, and then they tell me the best thing to do and it, we mostly go with their, their ideas and like maybe I'll pepper in a little bit more but
0: yeah uh, and you have a few uh, Barrymore uh, connections. To oh, we the got a show bunch. Already. Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: Right. Um, good. So our our lighting designer, Robin Stamey, is currently nominated for a Barrymore for lighting design from a show called Fishtown last yeah. year. Yeah. Uh, Phelan Fish- Weigel's Fish Town. Uh, oh, writer. Yeah, Caitlin yeah, Walker. yeah. Uh, and so then uh, Jenna Kersey, who also. is right, another fit connection, uh, mm-hmm. was also in that show and it was nominated mm-hmm. for ensemble. Yep. Uh, Ebony Pullum, who is playing mama on some days because we have so many artists in multiple shows that so she's yeah. in for three performances yeah was nominated for a barrymore for supporting actress for the red velvet at the lantern mm-hmm. this year and then previous to this i was nominated for a barrymore as a co-writer and performer in anna with ego po okay uh damien figaris who's our music director sound designer and orchestrator is a multiple sound design barrymore nominee mm-hmm. matthew masternardi was uh, nominated for ensemble for a show at act two And I think that's it. That's all I remember. I'm sorry to whoever I forgot (laughs) Who's going to be like, what about mine? But, you know, so no winners yet, but the ceremony's coming up. So Robin Mm -hmm. and Ebony and Jenna, you know, our eyes are on you. And that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh,
0: Congrats to those folks. Um, Yeah, Fishtown, uh, did you
1: see it? I did not see Fishtown. Okay,
0: Fishtown was great. Like, really, really good. Um, Like, Caitlin Weigel, who I've worked with uh, here at FIT uh, and directed here at the theater and different shows for the better part of seven years at this point, uh, wrote it, put together a really, really, really fun show, uh, like Jenna was fantastic in that, Tara Demi, uh, I don't know the other, the other folks, uh, and, uh, it's Tribe of Fools, uh, they're doing, um, what is it called, uh, Fly Eagles Fly, Fly, Eagle, Fly, Fly. Fly, yeah, uh, this, this year, uh, I'm looking super forward to that. So if there was a, another, if there was a non-fit Uh, Connected fringe show that I'm looking forward to. Probably Fly Eagles Fly. Sure. If I had to um, pick one that I could remember at the moment. Um, uh, Cool. Uh, How much, uh, because you talked about the process a little bit, uh, because this is uh, Philly Improv Theater, although we do a whole bunch of different things, clearly. uh, Does improv play a part in any of what you do?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, So, I mean, for this specifically there are definitely moments that are going to be like you know smoothed out with some improv mm-hmm. uh and that's something that the actors are very aware of and sure. get to play with uh are the woman the two women that play mama uh, in our show have a lot of opportunities because they sit in the audience and they are doing the choreography along with the girls you know and being mm-hmm. that side coach that so many yeah. stage pa- pageant parents are sure uh so they do a lot of improvising mm-hmm. within that like those closed structures uh improv is definitely part of our process there were scenes the script has changed immensely since, literally since when we submitted it to work with Fit and and where we are finally um, for the show that opens this week. Um, And so that's come from improv or people just proposing new lines and things like that. Mm -hmm. For me as an artist, improv is more of a a tool that I use and less of a performance medium. Um, I've done it a couple times and I'm just (laughs) not great at it. I have a lot of anxiety about improvising publicly in a close rehearsal where it's just like yeah. We're proposing ideas, sure, but I think that I very much feel that be-funny pressure, and I'm more of a, let me write it out and figure out the, like, the best joke for this. Sure. Um, so I admire improvisers, because I am not the single greatest one, by any means. <laughs> uh, I don't know anybody that is.
0: Um, we are all the best. Um, okay. Uh, and you mentioned that there are uh uh some cash changes throughout the throughout the run. Sure are. Uh and that's just due to schedules. Yeah. Uh people are people are very busy. Uh and this show runs uh throughout uh the month. Right. Uh so there's just some schedule things there. Uh so one might say that people should see this show multiple times uh because they may get a different experience. I would say uh, so. An equally great experience, but a different experience nonetheless. Um
1: each time they see it, for sure, we have uh, our, our like most consistent doubling. Shall we have it, or shall we say, is for Mama and then uh, Jenna's part actually Sweetie, mm-hmm. and uh, so Jenna has a very specific brand of comedy. And Kendall Young, who is her uh, the cover, and will ultimately be taking over the role as we move forward with our tour uh, after the Fringe is a very different performer. Mm-hmm. And so we've let her embrace that. And so I think it's an entirely different take on the character, which is a lot of fun to see because we yeah. literally have rehearsals with one of them and the next day have a different person and it <laughs> makes the scene totally different. Yeah. So it keeps it alive for the actors too in a cool way, I think. Okay, great.
0: Uh, and the uh, there's a lot of pageant stuff. Sure. Uh, did you watch uh, any of those uh what's what's the, the toddlers TV? and yeah. tiaras perhaps. Did, did you have to watch oh, a lot of them? i watched
1: all of them like yeah i love pageants i i think if i was born like i don't know five years later ten years later my like my a lot of things would be different of course right but there's a lot of the like, conversations about gender and gender expression now that's like weren't on the table for me as a younger person as like exploring identity right so i've always mm-hmm. just, like i'm a gay man right mm-hmm. um but I love pretty things and shiny <laughs> things and girly things. You know what I mean? And so, like, I, I remember I wanted to be a tap dancer when I was a kid. My friend's like, why? What? What's this thing you want to do? Mm-hmm. Um, so I've always had an, an appreciation for, like, the idea of packaged beauty at the mm-hmm. end of the day. And I'm sure, you know, it speaks to a lot of social conditioning, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always really admired people that pursue that, even as, I don't know, as abhorrent as many practices mm-hmm. are. You know, I think there's good and bad in everything. Um but yes, so, you know, after a year of just loving pageants, I literally used to. <laughs> my sister grew up a lot of Barbies. We would play Barbies together at times, and we would have Barbie pageants where we had, like, scorecards that we made with, like, you know, and we would, and, like, talent sections where Barbies would do flips because we would throw them in the air, or we would, like, put on a CD and just, like, move them around and call it dance. And we would score each other's, like, I don't know, manipulation of Barbies into a talent. Uh, but yeah, so after, you know, my own. <laughs> creation of pageants mm-hmm. for years in my home. I spent a lot of hours watching Toddlers and Tiaras, both, like, when it was first, like, on and mm-hmm. then as a rewatch coming into uh, this process. I've also watched a couple of documentaries um, and, like, mini, you know, series and things. Uh, I think something that's really important about our show is timing, right? We very purposely put it uh, pre- uh the, I think the biggest nineties pageant event was probably the murder of Jean Ramsey. Mm-hmm. Uh and so like we very much put it before that because yeah. we think that's an important part of like, oh it's not this isn't in response to that moment. Sure. Um and so that's kind of an interesting thing in all of that like research and exploring of that world and how things changed throughout it because of that event.
0: Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh and with this show, uh you have your run uh here at the theater throughout the month. Um do you have any uh, thoughts in mind, or you probably not even—you may not even be looking further ahead,
1: but what, what more would you want to do with this show? Oh, we is- lots of plans, yeah? Mike. Lots of plans. Yeah, so, I mean, the first thing is, and I mentioned it earlier, so now I'll just say it, even though I told everyone we were waiting until closing to announce it, <laughs> is that we've already been offered a tour, which is super exciting. Oh, wow. Um, for a sure show that hasn't come out yet, having someone already, like, believe in it yeah, is super for sure. cool. Yeah, sure. Uh, so we'll be with Bootless Stageworks the last weeks of April okay. uh, in the spring. So that's like our first next guaranteed thing that we're doing. That's uh, awesome. We're hoping to have another development workshop between this run and then. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we applied to a couple festivals that would fall into that very nicely. So it might be that that's something fully supported by a festival structure mm-hmm. um, to develop the show. Um, or it might be that we just get together and do it. Yeah. Um but we want to expand it. We think that there's room for a real ensemble in this show. I think the show would be helped by having a you know more than Consistent, four people yeah. that are like we are all of the pageant girls. Right. Um, so yeah, we want to see what it would be like if it was just bigger. Right. Okay. And we'll wrap up. Uh, the what are the dates uh, for the show? Great. So close your legs, honey. Opens on nine five. That's September fifth. We run through the eighth. Then we take a little break, and we come back for late-night shows on the 14th and 15th of September. And then we take another little break, and we finish up with a matinee on the closing day of the Fridley, Philly Fringe Festival, September 22nd. Cool. Uh, and
0: lastly, uh, is there anything else that you're involved in? Uh, I mean, I'm sure this is taking up a lot of your your life right now. Uh, is there anything else that you're involved in that you would like to let people know about, even if it's as simple as a social media um Twitter
1: handle or anything always like that. sure I mean so first and foremost definitely follow close your legs honey right we're on Instagram at close your legs honey you can find us on Facebook by searching close your legs honey or you can go to close dot com it's pretty simple we tried to make it as straightforward as yep. possible uh, and all those places also have very active ticket links if you're interested in buying a ticket uh, personally for me I'm actually very excited I'm going away after Fringe to do a show in Troy, New York uh, with a group called Troy Foundry Theater which does immersive and site specific works okay. uh, so that's pretty exciting I'm going to be doing a Samuel Beckett uh, one act inside a tent that'll be in a warehouse full of tents where other one acts are happening so it'll be kind <laughs> of like those deep. immersive structures yeah. where people come in and I think they get like we get carnival barkers outside our tent, being like, "Come see this show! This is the one for you!" But they only get like four tickets during the like the hour okay. and the hour and a half long yeah. performance. You can't see all of it. Yeah, uh, so that's pretty exciting. I don't know that our listeners will be in Troy, New York, but if you are, come on down to the Troy Foundry Theater. Yeah, I saw a show. Uh, I think it was Fringe a few years ago. That was a show similar to that style where you get it. You get enough They give you a few dollars. Yeah, or, pay up. Yeah, that's what it was. was. Pay pay theater. Company. Okay, yeah. yeah. pay up. super cool. They've been yeah. doing that. They, like, I can't remember when, but they first did it, I want to say, like, almost 10 years ago at this point or not mm-hmm. more. Um, and then it's come back every couple of years. It's super cool. But, yeah, it's yeah. the same structure. Cool.
0: All right. Uh, well, uh, be sure to check out Close Your Legs, Honey, uh, here at the Adrian Theater, uh, the Philly Improv Theater. Uh, throughout the month, uh, I will include the information in the uh, blog portion of this uh of this podcast uh so if you're on a mobile device you should be able to access uh those tickets and uh, lock them in for one of the shows and like we said see it a few times because you may get a different experience each time you see it but an equally great one nonetheless uh thank you seamus hunter mccarty uh pleasure chatting with you you too marby (laughs) yeah